Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today and a promo code 4 for 4 Take advantage of the risk-free $1,000 bets. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always in the space, Connor Allen. What's going on, Connor? Not much. Um, I'm excited to be joined by our guest over here. It is, uh, it is not his dog, Charlie. It is uh, Yahoo's Matt Harmon, uh, you know, one of the guys, one of the best guys in the industry and uh, someone who's, you know, done a great job, uh, you know, doing, does a great DFS podcast, does some great betting work over at Yahoo. Matt, it is awesome to have you on, man. I appreciate you guys for having me. Probably a downgrade going from me to Charlie. Uh, I apologize <laughs> in advance to everybody out there that I've got the uh, little bit of an allergy attack going on about 30 minutes before we jump onto the show. But, hey, just like A.J. Brown, just because <laughs> I'm a little limited by something, not that kind of something, but just because I'm a little <laughs> limited by something doesn't mean I'm not out there playing. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm, this is a really interesting week uh, going into this one, so I'm excited to talk it up with you guys. Buys. <clears throat> lightens the load in the content space a little bit so to make it a little bit more manageable so we can get through this yes. show in less than two hours we have a hard time doing that when we have no buys so <laughs> yeah this uh i don't know do you have a preference matt i've heard lots of things like you know buy palooza or buy apocalypse have you uh you know honed in on any one buy name that you like this week I think just straight up bye week hell is good because it's the easiest to say. Uh, I think it encapsulates, and that's the biggest thing, right? Like if you try to go with the bye palooza or bye apocalypse or whatever, <laughs> if you try to say that over and over and over again, you end up slipping up. So I feel like just straight up bye week hell really describes what we're all dealing with. I mean, guys, I have one team where, and no one cares about my teams, so we're just going to say it anyways. You know, nothing feels worse. Then you had like Dalvin Cook and uh, frickin' Najee Harris on a team, and you're mm. just great. Like, okay, Dalvin's back, Najee's been rocking, and now you got to be like, all right, do I play Malcolm Brown or Devonta Freeman? What what am I doing this week? <laughs> yeah, and it is rough. I remember in best ball, like you know, in the preseason, looking at this and being like, man, all these all these stacks. Like, you f- you feel really good about your team after like three or four rounds, and you notice they all have a week seven buy, and it's like. <laughs> Man, these yeah. all these teams are just stacked up. So, yeah, what do we have here? We have the uh, Bills, uh, Dallas, Jacksonville, Vikings, Chargers, and Steelers have the week off. Uh, that is a, a tough one, and uh, not a lot of close games this week either. It's a it's an interesting one. But uh, anyway, this is our Wednesday game by game breakdown. Uh, if you are not familiar with the show, first time listener, first time viewer, welcome. We appreciate it. Uh, we now do two shows a week, both here on YouTube and in podcast form as well. So subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a show. The Friday show is a props-only show where Connor and I and prop stars uh, get down on the prop market. Take your questions. Really, the back half of that show is all listener questions and really interactive. So subscribe. We can uh, help you fire off some plus EV bets on Friday. So um, also head over to 444.com slash plans. We've slashed the price of our betting sub as we enter kind of the back half of this year. We got uh, NBA stuff coming soon. Golf is still up and running. Uh, we got some big, big plans here in the future. So head over there and check it out. Uh, gentlemen, let's get started here. First game, Falcons on the road against the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins catching two and a half at home. 47 and a half is the total. Not very common, but Miami has chosen to pass on the post-London buy. Uh, now they'll host the Falcons fresh off of their bye after their week five win in London. Big rest advantage here for the Falcons. The lines moved in their direction. This was Miami two and a half in the look aheads. Now Atlanta basically five points in their favor. It's getting more and more optimistic or difficult to be optimistic. Connor, 
uh, on Tua, just 20 points against the Jags. Not a great look. Talk to me about this one. Right, but, you know, I think his stats were good. I mean, he had some – He the inconsistencies are just embarrassing because yeah, – There's a bad it, pick in there, man. Yeah, I, I mean, were, that – Yeah. That was inexcusable. Um, and there were some other plays that made me scratch my head, but there's also some great throws mixed in there. And, you know, he's working with a banged-up receiving <laughs> core, no offensive line. I mean, it's not even a matter. It's going to be a Josh Rosen situation again where he's going to get, like, whatever, two games this year and maybe a couple more, however many, until they trade for Deshaun Watson. And then, you know, he's not going to get a fair shake. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll take the L on that one already preemptively, but in this spot, I don't think that the Falcons should be fav- road favorites against anyone, to be honest. I think that they should be probably be a pick them here. Um, I-, I think that, you know, Tua, you know, has a good matchup again against Atlanta and I think the offense can move the ball. Uh, I mean, through for over 300 yards against the Jags defense, which is, you know, similarly bad. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just think that the number is off. I don't love Miami in this spot. I don't love, you know, I definitely don't like Atlanta, but I, don't really think that I think this should be a pick up. So I would, if I have to pick, I would probably pick the dolphins here. Matt, what jumps out to you here, buddy? Yeah. I mean, you brought this up. Uh, the dolphins apparently chose to not take the buy coming out of London, which is kind of consistent with their poor decision-making overall in this regime. I mean, if you look at it, this rebuild, and I think the whole fact that these Deshaun Watson rumors, you know, they're, they're ramping up because of John McClain's report, uh, this, uh, this Wednesday afternoon, but you know, this, this has kind of been percolating for a long time. I, I can't imagine actually trading for the guy right now, all the assets that's going to take. But Miami has gone from like a patient rebuild to absolutely desperate like that. I mean, Very which quickly. is unbelievable but, but because all of their picks have – but my point about their choices, all of their picks have basically not worked out. You know, they try to rebuild this defense into a strong unit. The defense is average to below average. The offensive line was one of their biggest priorities. They spent a ton of high capital picks there. The offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. They're one of the worst run blocking. They're one of the worst pass blocking units. So it's just been a complete failure. And apparently, to to Connor's point, they hate their top five quarterback already after just a year and a half, which it's just an unbelievable – like this – we're already at a point where we have to talk about this Dolphins rebuild as a potential failure, you know, most of all because they don't have a first – they don't have their top – three first round pick next year because of Jalen Waddle. And I like Jalen Waddle, but they're, they're kind of using him short to the line of scrimmage. I mean, he has a like 3.8 a dot with Jacoby Brissett. It is up closer to almost, almost 10 yards, uh, a dot with, with Tua. And I thought that connection was at least encouraging last week against the Jaguars in London, you know, Tua was, I think, around eight air yards per attempt, which is an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, you know, because Brissett has just never been a guy that's going to push the ball down the field, especially behind that offensive line. And, you know, Tua, at least attacking the intermediate areas of the field, made this offense a little more viable, but they just don't have a lot of juice right now. And conversely, I think the Falcons are sort of starting to figure it out um, on offense. I I agree with Connor that I don't know that I'm – I kind of probably would stay away from either side of this game because I don't have a great read on it. But um, I do think in terms of the way these two teams are trending right now, I think Miami is definitely trending down. And Atlanta, you look at it, you know, Calvin Ridley, ninth in the NFL in air yards per game. That role is definitely still there for him. Kyle Pitts had his breakout game. I think we can give him a bye uh, post his a buy bump uh, in his rookie year here. You know, I think they're kind of starting to figure things out offensively. Matt Ryan at least pushing the ball down the field a little bit better too. Would you love to see? Yeah, I love the the call out too. Like they're using Jalen Waddle, who I think we all like, regardless of what happened draft capital wise, as like Cole Beasley. Like you're using him at like five and a half a dot, which is just inexcusable. 
nice to see. Miami that, needed its that, new Jarvis Landry. They needed uh, to reprise the old Jarvis right. Landry role, and you needed a guy that runs like a four three to do it. It doesn't make any sense. It's insane. Yeah, it's obviously very easy to sit here and play Monday morning quarterback, but it's like you could have stuck around and not traded up um, and got something very similar to Jalen Waddle, maybe you know Devontae Smith or um, something like that that's in the same ballpark, and now. You went all in thinking maybe you're a playoff team, and now that you're you'd be picking at the top half of the draft again, and now that's out to Philadelphia. So it is kind of a, a real rough spot. That's what I don't even understand about the Watson trade. Like they're one in five. Like what are they pushing the chips all in for? You know, like yeah. is he part of their long term plans? I guess, but then you well you have to trade away hurts that. So it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. We were so optimistic. I mean, they had like a good draft two years ago, and then it was like, man, they got so many picks next year. It's hard to not be encouraged. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's last year. I think was a little, you know, Connor. I don't have to rehash it. Like I thought last year was a little bit fluky. There were some unsustainable things that have come to fruition. I didn't think this like entire house would collapse like this. But uh, here we are. I, I don't know that. I don't know how they can know that two is good or not good yet. But. Uh, yeah. I get caught. I was trying to wait for this to get to three uh, with Miami being two point favorites. I was trying to catch a Falcons plus three thinking that Miami would handle their business against Jacksonville in the look ahead market. And here we are. It moves five points through the zero the other way. And uh, it's, it's dead to me, but uh, it'd be, it'd be honest for me, it's Falcons or nothing still. I know it feels weird, but like, I don't really have any trust. This backfield's a mess. There's no predictability week in and week out. Who's you want to you want to triple down? Uh, we can do our third bet on the Dolphins this season, or is it causing no? Too much, because too I've, much been, pain. I've been I've been whooping <laughs> I've been whooping you, and every the the two bets that we have have been on the on the losing side. I want to have something with a little bit more conviction than that's uh, fine. That's fine. Falcons. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I up in pace here too. These two teams could be up in pace. The, the Falcons team total might be a way that I approach this week, especially here at twenty five. It's a little bit light. Um, Otherwise, not a whole lot. I, I thought the Pitts number in the prop market might open a little bit lower, but up into the low 50s and kind of a stay away for me for now. All right, next one. Really the best matchup, I guess, of the weekend. Kansas City on the road against the Titans. Titans plus five and a half at home, 57 point total. Uh, this was three and a half, and the look aheads moved the other way, even though Tennessee obviously had a nice win on Monday Night Football. Derrick Henry is like insane and so fun to watch. You know the like pace on pace stats are, are insane, and I they drive me nuts. But like his on pace stats right now are are absolutely wild. Like to do what he's doing when they know that that's what's coming relentlessly, and the fact that he's able to do what he's doing is it's really cool to watch. I love seeing them continue to incorporate him in the passing game. I was good to see Julio and AJ Brown back on the field. Tannehill continues to be, just kind of be a guy. Like, I don't know. It's really hard. We've talked about it a lot. Like, Arthur Smith is not doing a lot to make you feel great about him in Atlanta, per se, but you have to feel like the loss of him in that system has definitely affected Tannehill quite a bit. Um, defense is still a problem, though. They're facing good teams like the Bills uh, and the Chiefs here. They're really going to have to get into, like, the upper 30s or 40s here. Uh, Matt, talk to me about this one. Yeah, beat up on the defensive side, too. You know, they suffered a ton of injuries uh, at the cornerback position on Monday night, so we kind of have to see how that progresses through the week. But, you know, Stefan Diggs had those guys in, in the blender all night long. You know, Cole Beasley, too, Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, that is not a situation you want now. You've got to deal with the Chiefs. I know, you know, I know the Chiefs have caught some flack for their offensive performance, but, like, 
they still beat Washington by almost 20 points, you know, and that was like, and they objectively did not play a clean game. Obviously two more interceptions for Mahomes. I think he had five in 2019 and had uh, six all of 2020. So um, this is mostly a fluke. There's been a lot of fluky turnovers overall for Kansas city. You know, I don't know how Tennessee has the horses to hang with those guys. Obviously, a surprise performance against the Bills. I thought the Bills would come in there and and crush them as well. But, you know, Tennessee does have special players on offense. And, you know, sometimes superstars are just enough to move you through. You know, Derrick Henry having a couple of unbelievable plays and A.J. Brown showing up on the Chipotle game uh, in, in, the, in the second half, man. You know, I mean, shout out to Chipotle just getting totally dragged through the mud uh, after that one. It's a tough scene. You know, Ryan Tannehill still is like, bottom 20-ish in terms of uh, play action rate too you know that has not been the key part of the offense like it was under Arthur Smith Um, so I still feel like Tennessee is a little bit of a team lost at sea but they have legitimate star power in A.J. Brown and especially Derrick Henry to keep them in these games Um, I just think it's going to be there's going to be a lot of points in this one and it would almost you know I know I've been I've been pretty convicted on a lot of overs in terms of totals overall this year that have not gone that way. Um, I don't know if you guys have kind of felt that way as well, but man, this one feels like a game that should. I know the total is already really high, but it feels like one that that should go over there anyways. I mean, there's just so much offensive firepower and with the way the Chiefs defense has played and especially the way the Titans secondary is banged up and already wasn't very good. It just feels like there's going to be a lot of big plays in this one. Yeah. yeah, we had a 53 and a half and look aheads that was obviously gone, but I'm with you. Like I still, this is a still an over or nothing for me. Connor, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I felt AJ Brown's pain at one point in my life. I got sick from Chipotle in high school and I <laughs> couldn't even step foot in a Chipotle for three to four years without getting feeling nauseous. Uh, We've all been there, man. We've yeah. all literally like that is that was a uh, NFL players. They're just like us type of moment. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? Literally. Yeah. And very relatable. The most relatable I'll be to AJ Brown ever in my entire life. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think this, this is a great spot for both teams to score. Tennessee Divas, as you mentioned, 28th right now in DVO and even more banged up. Than they were, uh, you know, coming into that game. And now at this point, um, like we are looking at a Kansas City offense, which is finally starting to click, I think, a little bit. Their defense was so, so bad. Um, like the Tennessee Titans just put 34 points on a, on a Buffalo defense, which is number one, they're number top three in almost every single metric across the board. And now you're getting a Kansas City defense, which is, I mean, one of the bottom three in every metric across the board. Uh, and so for me, I think Tennessee team total, if you're able to find 25 and a half, 26 is very much in play. Um, I'm not taking them to cover because I think Kansas City could score 40 here. So the issue is that I think that both teams could easily score so much that the spread doesn't really come into play. Uh, I'm a little bit more interested in just the team total of Tennessee, maybe just the game total over. Um, I guess my only concern with that would be if somehow the Chiefs can you know, like stack the box and the Titans still check out of it and somehow slow down Derrick Henry and the pace slows down. But I mean, that's so many things that needs to happen that yeah. we haven't seen at all so far. So yeah, that's probably my lean as well. Yeah. Kids city has got to stop turning it over though. I mean, like 23.6% of their drives have ended in a turnover. That's insane. The Patrick Mahomes team, kind of like Matt talked about, it's been an anomaly in, in Mahomes's life. As far as him as a quarterback, he always protect the ball. I mean, that's like double league average. League average is like 11%. So that one in particular, I mean, the, the Tyreek one was kind of a fluke, right? I mean, that was just, a, that was on Tyreek. But that other thing is like, it would have been very Mahomesian for him to have completed it, for him to even have attempted it. But it was like, dude, what, what is going on? And that's a team like Washington, who we've been 
attacking, especially the secondary. So I know like there are there are issues with the Titans, but the way that the Chiefs are not protecting the ball, like that's still a problem. But that only helps us with the over because turnovers can flip fields and you know pick sixes and those those continue to push totals over. Really, the only thing defense showed up a little bit in the second half for the Chiefs. So it probably says more about Washington than it does Kansas City per se. But uh, really, other than the Ricky Seals-Jones broken play, that was the only explosive pass play that they allowed last week. So they kind of kept McLaurin in check a little bit, and you know, hopefully there's something to build on there, and it becomes more of, more of that. So we'll see. All right, next, Washington on the road against the Packers. Uh, Packers, eight-and-a-half-point favorites. 49 is the total. On paper, it looks like a pretty big mismatch. Public has agreed. This was at seven. It's been bet up to nine and a half and some spots even fell back here at win to eight and a half, but Packers won five straight, basically washed that week one taste out of our mouths. Uh, total nosedive for Washington. Uh, this one makes me a little nervous though, is Packers next to on the road against Arizona and Kansas city. So like if there was ever a look ahead spot, Matt, this is definitely it for the Packers. De- yeah. I could see potential trap game. Problem with Washington, man, is it, like obviously they're already off track and way off track in terms of the team that we thought they would be. You know Taylor Heineke um, still still starting a quarterback. Uh, I love the Taylor Heineke story. I was actually at Old Dominion University for his first uh, game action ever uh, way wow. back when he was a freshman. My sister, my sister and him were like friends in college, so uh, <laughs> I've been familiar with Taylor Heineke long before I ever thought he'd be. <laughs> uh, so let's just put it that way. Um, but the biggest, I mean. Biggest thing for Washington too is this Antonio Gibson situation. As somebody that drafted a lot of Antonio Gibson in like the second round, really thought I was doing something with that Antonio Gibson Allen Robinson round two three turn. And um, I'll tell you, I'm not doing much with that right now. Uh, <laughs> Antonio Gibson situation is tough because it sounds like they're just going to keep rolling him out there uh, for you know for for, for action. Uh, but man, I really wish they just they'd sit him down. I wish they'd sit him down for a few weeks, get him healthy, especially because. They're not, they don't really look like a competitive team right now. You know, their defense is not playing well enough to keep them in run first games. You know, whatever like the player props end up being for JD McKissick, I'm going to be excited about those because this guy basically, as a receiver, he's already out there because the defense isn't as good as we thought. Um, but with the injuries to the pass catching core, too, you know, uh, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel has not been uh, healthy at all this year. Terry McLaurin has been a little banged up lately. You know, J.D. McKissick is going to get so much action as a receiver. We expect him to be trailing uh, in Green Bay for this game as well. I'll be excited about the player prop for J.D. McKissick, that's for sure. And, you know, overall, it's just, I can't imagine Green Bay doesn't roll in this one. You know, I would I would be excited. Almost, you know, eight and a half is, is, eight and a half is fine with me. It gets up to ten, maybe you're pushing it. But, yeah, I think Green Bay should, should handle their business pretty well at Connor, you feeling confident in the Packers here? Uh, I don't know enough to like lay the lay the eight and a half here, but I mean the matchup against the Washington defense is good. I mean, just so disappointing. 29th of DVOA, 30th in EPA. I mean, we've talked about it every week, but it just it continues to sting and how bad they are compared to what they were last year. Um, and so I mean, interesting, you know, but totally not um totally not um you know relatable to how to projecting the next game. Packers offense now has scored fewer points in five consecutive games, uh, you know, gone all the way down from 35 to 24 in the last five games. But now, I mean, a lot of the teams, they, the defense they played were really good. So now you get a matchup against a miserable Washington defense at this point. So I think Packers team totals in play on the over if you're able to get the right side of that number. Uh, but 
you know, I think that probably for me it's a stay away. I think it could be a little bit of a trap game, but I mean, the Packers are just top to bottom a lot better of a football team, and they're at home, so uh, tough for tough for me to go the other way. I have bad PTSD here. I think it was I want to say it was maybe three years ago. Like Washington was really bad, and like again, the Packers were what they've been for the, the majority of the Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, tenure here, and a really bad Washington football team went into Green Bay and caught them in a uh, look-ahead spot. Just a, I think it was maybe their first win of the season, too. Like, I've been looking at this. I've been really hesitant to, like, tease it or include it in any, like, money line stuff or anything like that because it's like, well, those next two are, are, I think, you know, impactful, especially that Arizona game on Thursday night. You know, short week on the road in Arizona. That's a, that's a playoff positioning type of matchup. So, again, there's, there's nothing but conjecture there. But um, – <laughs> especially considering how Taylor Heineke has played of late, but um, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's that's been the problem. That's the problem with Taylor is like, you don't want him playing in negative game script, man. You know, like in, in these spots where Washington has been able to keep it relatively close, like Thursday night against the giants, that's obviously the main one, but other spots too, you know, the Atlanta game where that's kind of like a back and forth thing. He's been able to play all right, but you know, when you're straight up trailing like Patrick Holmes or potentially Aaron Rodgers, he's going to make mistakes because, like, you know, we always joke that, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick tries to write some checks that his arm cannot cash. Taylor's, like, working on a different bank, man. Uh, he's not cashing much out of that arm. So, and, and the tough thing, too, with Washington's defense is, like, they're still number two in pressures. They're still top five in hurries. Like, they're still they're – not, they're not playing up to expectation, but they're still pretty decent up front. They just blow so many coverages on the back end. And, you know, you just feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to catch him for a few of them. But, you know, Packers defense, uh, offensive line still dealing with some injuries. You know, David Bakhtiari might get back at some point soon. Their center, uh, Myers, might get back at some point. Uh, like, they're trending the right direction offensive line-wise later for later in the season. But there has been injuries there. Um, it's just it's just pretty tough to bet against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay against this this very disappointing team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm with you on the McKissick props too. Obviously, pretty clear game script situations for McKissick, and you know he was a beast last week. You know, with 16 touches, uh, you know, pretty high, season high snaps. I think as well, like 61. percent So I imagine we see something very similar here if things go the way that we anticipate. All right, gentlemen, next game, Carolina on the road against the Giants. Giants catching two and a half at home. 43 is the total. Uh, Panthers got off to a 3-0 start. A lot of optimism bore out of that. I think that was probably right, even though the competition was less than stellar. It was really the you know, Jets, Saints, and Texans. They lost McCaffrey and J.C. Horn in that Texans game. It's basically been downhill ever since. Lost three straights, 31st in EPA per play d- during that losing streak. Sam Darnold's is has not been good. Um, his completion percentage, negative eight and a half completion percentage over expectation in the three-game losing streak. That Ooh. is 29th out of 30 qualifiers. Also not good. Um, we're still a couple weeks away from, I think, Stefan Gilmore being active. We have, really don't have much update on the J.C. Horn stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Giants aren't doing much better. They're dealing with a lot of key injuries here, Matt. What are your thoughts on this one, them catching two and a half at home? I mean... The, the Giants look like a skeleton crew on offense. Uh, it's like Sterling Shepard and Dante Pettis getting 11 <laughs> targets last week. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is somewhere like turning over, you know, Dante Pettis, that guy, give me a break. Uh, it is, it's a tough situation for, for New York right now. I mean, 
you know, Andrew Thomas hits IR too. Um, obviously, they're probably not going to have Kenny Galladay back. Canarius Tony sounds like he has a a serious ankle injury, uh, or at least it's a little more serious than like a, a just a typical sprain or whatever was kind of the beat reports out of New York. Um, don't expect Saquon to play in this game. It's tough, man. I mean, uh, Sterling Shepard's like a, a top fifteen wide receiver play on the week here uh, against Carolina for sure. I love you know you guys know I love Sterling Shepard, so I'm not I'm not speaking mm-hmm. any ill on Sterling Shepard. But I mean, it's him and lo- like nobody else. I think Darius Slayton is a jag. You know, you're you're rolling out these guys behind them. It's a tough scene there. Devontae Booker's not a needle mover uh, on offense either. Evan Ingram, I mean, give me a break, Evan Ingram. So yeah, it's 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 pretty tough. Like to Colin Johnson. You look- Right. I mean, but then you look over on Carolina's side and you mentioned it, Ryan, like Sam Donald has been miserable. He's been pressured. He's number two in terms of pressure dropbacks right now. He's a 55.7 quarterback rating under pressure. And that is the, that's the key with, um, with Sam Darnold. Like he needs everything to be completely perfect and situations are never perfect in the NFL. You know, like that, that, this is, this is not how it works. The offensive line is a huge problem for Carolina, but we knew the offensive line would be a problem at some point for Carolina because they basically just banked on a bunch of veterans, uh, like mid-tier guys to gel. Like they don't have a lot of – they have Brady Christensen from BYU who's kind of an older rookie prospect. But other than that, it's like mostly just veterans who are already kind of established. So I don't really see that changing. You know, Not that New York is, is some great defense or anything like that, but this looks like a stay away game to me. Obviously, no McCaffrey back there is pretty tough too. Um, I would maybe think about some props, but these are just two bad football teams that I don't, I don't think I have a lean one way or another. I don't know about you guys. Dante Pettis died, so Brandon Ayuk could live. Um, maybe who also died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, despite all the injuries, I mean, the Giants are—they've moved the ball this year. I mean, Daniel Jones has been okay. They're seventh in yards per drive. They just love the crap out of field goals and red zone turnovers, and that's just not going to get it done to be competitive in the league. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Any leans? Not too much on the game. I mean, I think Matt did a good job breaking down most of it here. Uh, Sterling Shepard props, though. I think that the receptions there, uh, I mean, Nick can't set it high enough. Like, I think the the right number should be like six and a half. I think we're going to see a, a five and a half probably with plus money to the over. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hitting that for sure. Uh, just wait till that drops. I mean, this, I think you guys said it well, though, with Darnold. You know who needs to trade for Deshaun Watson? You know, legal issues aside, um, the Panthers. The Panthers. The Panthers are low-level Dolphins, like we were talking about earlier, right? So, like they they made a choice, and they not only made the trade for Darnold, they picked up the next year, right? They are on the hook for eighteen million next year, yeah. And they also bypassed multiple quarterbacks in this past draft, knowing that the next couple of years, or hey, it's hard to project, you know, we never know what's going to happen, but like next year, there's really no, doesn't look great. Right. It doesn't look great. So like yeah. they are somewhat, again, we're all really bullish on Matt rule and we're bullish on Joe Brady. And like, there's a lot to be encouraged about here, but now they're married to another year and a half of Sam Donald. And it's just, it's unfortunate. There's a lot there that we like the de- defense is so young with a lot of playmakers. Like they could be, they could really miss the prime of their, roster because they're kind of married to Darnold if things don't change I think they'll be looking again next year I think yeah. they'll you know whether the, the Darnold thing aside like I think they can figure that one out but I mean I think they're going to be looking again next year I don't know if they're going to make like they were obviously in the Matthew Stafford business I think they would have loved to trade for Deshaun Watson but mm-hmm. um that did not work out so they end up yeah. going with Sam Darnold like yeah I mean 
It's tough. I, I, I know we want to like Matt Rule, but I'm running out of like reasons to be super excited about like Matt Rule at this point. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like you, you he hired Joe Bridgewater, Brady, right? He hired yeah. Joe Brady, and that's like his best thing he's done. Yes, and like people think David Tepper is like super sharp because he's rich, so he like <laughs> you know gives gives Matt Rule the big endorsement when everybody liked Matt Rule or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. That it's like a, a yeah whatever. But I mean. What what have we done so far through the first two years of the Matt Rule experience? It gets you really excited. Like you signed Teddy Bridgewater, and then you get sick of Teddy Bridgewater for be- literally being Teddy Bridgewater, like who he always <laughs> yeah. is. And then you dump him for Sam Darnold, and now like we're sick of Sam Darnold for being Sam Darnold. Like I don't yeah. know what we're doing here. I mean, the the transition from college to like the NFL for coaches is just crazy because like Rule obviously turned around, you know, whatever two programs and you know, was able to do so in successful fashion. But, I mean, you also have a guy like Urban Meyer who led one of the best college football programs in the country for whatever 10 years is now legitimately a laughing stock of the NFL for, yeah. you know, multiple reasons, even before the joke. issues. It's yeah, before me- the other issues. Exactly. And he was, I mean, he was the, he was below Saban. You know, he was like it if college football, elite college football coaches for a while. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Saban who also dipped his toes in the NFL waters and ran back pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you guys. Shepard's targets in healthy games, 9, 10, and, tw- and 14. So, um, yeah, if we're going to get five and a half catches, you know, out of the slot, lower A dot, that feels pretty nice. And the Chuber Hubbard stuff is nice too. Um, 16 of the 17 backfield touches last week. Coach speak around his usage is encouraging here. This is a nice spot against this Giants defense. And the Robbie Anderson stuff is brutal. I mean, 11 targets last week. He keeps getting targets. Uh, half of them were deemed uncatchable. And then he dropped three more. So yeah. like, that's how you land with, you know, just catching three balls on double-digit targets. But it's like, is there going to be a Robbie Anderson week? We continue to say, like, the underlying uses is encouraging. I don't know. This is another nice spot. Um, you got 11 targets last week. Uh, it's it's not a prop thing. It's probably more of a fantasy or a DFS thing. Like, leave his props alone. But, man, like, they're going to keep pounding him with double digits. Uh, something's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You would think. You, you, you would, would think. think. <laughs> well, this next one's going to be better than that last one. Cincinnati on the road against Baltimore. Baltimore six point favorites at home. Forty seven is the total. This is probably the bell of the ball for the week. Four and two. Cincinnati traveling to Baltimore, face the five one Ravens for supremacy here in the AFC North. It was good to see Cincinnati kind of kick the crap out of Lions on the road. That really, I guess, should be the case if you are actually mid leap right I, I can't really tell if they are there's some like underlying metrics that are a little confusing here defensively the data will tell you it's an elite unit um four of their six opponents have ranked 25th or worst in offensive epa per play this is definitely the best offense that they faced on the defensive side raven's offense is really humming right now throwing about 10 percent more in neutral game scripts which we love to see ground game still working despite the fact that they're rolling out basically the most 2015 running back core that you could possibly, uh, I don't know. It's like if you could handpick them, that's what they did here, Matt. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, if I could have started like a, a 2015 fantasy draft <laughs> with like Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, and Latavius Murray, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, yeah, it's it's wild, their backfield right now. But, you know, 
I don't know how much stock to take into how successful they were last week because everybody runs on the Chargers. Like the Chargers are, they've kind of gone too far into the whole. Like you know, we, typically we we don't mind when a defense is bad against the run, but elite against the pass because you know it invites opponents to do the inefficient thing, which is to try to establish the run or whatever. The Chargers are kind of leaning into it too hard. Like they don't, they're they're so bad against the run that teams can just crush them that way. You know, the Browns kept up with them in a shootout, literally by just running the ball for the most part. So um, that is a tough look for for the Chargers there. But uh, that's a different subject entirely. I think that when you look at um, this matchup, you know, I know that I'm with you, Ryan. That most of the results from Cincinnati's defense have been positive right now. Um, I think maybe they've gotten themselves to an average unit, which honestly I didn't even expect, you know, because they they paid through the nose for a bunch of like average type of guys or whatever. Um, You typically, that doesn't result in your defense jumping into like the top 10 in terms of efficiency metrics, but that's kind of how it's gone for Cincinnati so far, but I don't know how much to buy into that. Um, The real interesting thing for Cincinnati and, and uh, I'm curious to see how long this, holds up is that they've really reverted and and we've talked about this a lot of fantasy circles they've really kind of just flipped their play calling on a on a on a, on a dime here they're like an established a run type of team now um joe burrow's thrown more than 35 passes just like i think once or twice all year he threw he cleared that number in every game but two in 2020 and one of those was the washington game where he got hurt you know they're not throwing the ball right now cincinnati and and i think if you want to beat baltimore you do want to throw on them early and often. Uh, you know, I, I know that the, that did not work out for the Chargers last week. They kind of got stung by fourth down variance and just uh, Herbert's third down variance overall kind of came back to bite them there. But I still think that if Cincinnati wants to keep in this game, um, they'll have to be aggressive in terms of their passing game. You know, Baltimore does have some injuries in the secondary. Obviously, they still have some great, great players like Calais Campbell, Marlon Humphrey, et cetera. But um, I think if you want to get all, all in on Baltimore, you want to start throwing the ball right from the jump. But you know, I still have a lot of hesitations about Zach Taylor. I still have a lot of hesitations about how they have – I get the idea that you want to run the ball to protect your quarterback who's been um, – you know, he's coming back from a serious injury and probably still – even now, still not a hundred percent, despite the fact he's been so efficient as a passer. But man, I'm I'm still I'm pre- still pretty skeptical of this one. Uh, I think Baltimore is a is in a much different class than Cincinnati. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I, I think that Baltimore is in a much different class as a team. And they're getting you know they get they get Rashad Bateman back last week. I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman. I love that guy. And I think even just right away plays six targets, or, I mean, gets six targets, plays a decent amount of snaps, runs the third most routes on the team. Um, you know, he immediately looked like a difference maker just in in the routes that they had him running because now I think they kind of have a complete set of guys. You know, they have this tight end in Mark Andrews who's playing extremely well right now. They have the vertical guy in Hollywood Brown. I think, you know, Bateman's kind of that alpha receiver that can run the full route tree that they have not really had in the Lamar Jackson era. No, that's a great call. They interact really well with each other. That kind of gives them a – Another dynamic for sure. Connor, uh, thoughts here? It's funny because we don't – so we don't talk, you know, before the show at all. Like, you know, we just kind of do our own notes. Um, and I have, you know, the exact same notes of that they're, they're – de- like metrics are schedule-fueled and that, you know, they're probably a fr- fringe top 10 defense but not a top five defense. Um, and I think so – but overarching, though, I think that this spot is pretty similar to when we saw Baltimore go 
uh, against Denver a couple of weeks ago. You know, early in the season, Denver's metrics looked awesome because they kicked the shit out of some bad teams. Um, and their defense is good, you know, but it's not definitely was not what their metrics were. And that was an even more extreme case where their defense is not looking good at all at this point. Whereas the Bengals, you know, have just largely been good against bad teams and then okay against good teams. And so now they're getting a Baltimore offense, which I think we're all pretty high on here. So I, I lean Baltimore here at minus six. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's tough because I do like the Cincy team as a whole. I'm just not sure how good they are. So uh, probably would just lean on them in the spread, but not to I'm trying to find other ways to attack it, but haven't really broken it down enough. Yeah, I, I lean Baltimore here too. I think they are the superior team and I think it is going to be a test. I mean, to Matt's point, like, you know, you you spent a lot of money on like the Trey Hendricksons of the world and like I don't expect you to now be a top five defensive unit. It's just kind of how it's been. And they haven't placed anyone that really resembles I mean the, the Packers offensively are I guess you would say in the Ravens class, but that's really that's really it. They haven't really faced too, too much here. The one thing I will say about Baltimore moving forward, I don't know that it bites them this week per se, but if they are going to actually be a Super Bowl contender, they have to get better on third down. Like we had like the, let's say the narrative, but it's almost, it's been true. Like other than the, until the Colts game, I guess even the Chiefs game, we just haven't seen Lamar lead big comebacks. They've been a team that is a front runner and really hard to catch, but they haven't been a team that's really been able to turn it on through the air. It was really nice to see them do that again against the Colts in particular, but they're eighth in offensive EPA per play um, totally, but on third downs, they're 31st. And that leads, obviously, we know third downs tend to be passing downs more. Hopefully the Bateman thing helps. To Matt's point, he kind of adds that extra layer of maybe a little bit of a lower A dot guy, a little move the chains guy. It's very easy to maybe double team and bracket Mark Andrews on a third down, you know, do something similar to Hollywood when you know that's really kind of their only options. They really, none of these 19... 98 running backs are, are threats to the passing game. So uh, maybe the Bateman thing helps them. So, But, yeah, third downs is a, is a big glaring issue for them. All right, next, the Jets travel to New England. New England minus seven here. 42.5 is the total. Uh, this is a new era for the Patriots, so we have to acknowledge, kind of call it what it is. Uh, that was a moral victory. They almost stole that game against Dallas last week. They got dominated. They got dominated, and they had a chance to win that game, which was surprising. Um, but I don't know. I, I I think they take care of business here. We saw this matchup back in week two. Line's basically the same. They curb-stomped him in that one. I'm surprised that this is kind of where it's at still. There were six and a half out there even earlier today, which is very curious to me. I took a Pats minus six and a half. I also took a Jets team total under 17 and a half. Matt, what are your leans here? Yeah, I mean – I guess you could talk yourself into giving uh, these guys like, you know, there's so many young players for the Jets. Obviously, uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, there's obviously Zach Wilson there. You, I guess you could talk them into getting get, talk yourself into giving these guys a bump coming off the bye, uh, a long layoff from the from the London game that they had there. But man, I mean, it's on balance outside of the Titans game. It's been a pretty awful, awful showing. And I mean, Zach Wilson was terrible in that London game the last time we saw him against a very beatable Falcons defense. So um, I am not optimistic about the Jets. Uh, maybe they come out and they look much better. But even from a play-calling standpoint, I don't like the way that, that offense have been, has been designed. You know, they have a lot of guys like running routes right next to each other. Um, they're very insistent on 
running out these guys like Keelan Cole. And I don't think Keelan Cole is like a terrible player, you know, or Jamison Crowder. Like, I don't think these guys are bad NFL players, but like they have no juice and like they won't throw uh, Denzel Mims out there. And I know this is like a very small thing, but like they won't throw Denzel Mims out there because he doesn't like know how to run routes from every single wide receiver position. It's like, dude, you can't score points. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just throw, get get the guy out there and throw him the ball down the field. Like it's it shouldn't be that hard. They seem like a team that is way too narrow on their own scheme, their own way of doing things, and all that. And I don't know, not good vibes on the Jets right now. And I think the Patriots, like Mac Jones, is kind of starting to figure things out. I do think it's interesting that um, you know there has been a few members of the media this past week that are like willing to go out there and say like. Bill Belichick's fourth down decision making is holding the team back because he's the most conservative coach on fourth down. Um, pretty aggressive to to come for the king like that, but I mean, it, the facts are the facts. I do think they are an extremely conservative team. So um, unless Zach Wilson goes out and has another like puke all over his shoes moment like he did in the first meeting, it's tough for me ima- to, tough for me to imagine that they go in and blow out the Jets just because they're not that type of team. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This this one is a tough one to get a read on. Belichick never recovered for the uh, the AFC Championship game, or you know the Kevin Falk, uh, you know in the flat on fourth down. <laughs> so true. Never recovered. So true. Yeah, just everything got tight after that. So, uh, Connor, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I I don't really know how to play because I would lean New England at seven, but at the same time, I mean New England's offense. You know, I'm sure you're not going to want to say it, but they've been not good efficiency wise. I mean, 23rd in DVOA, 27th in EPA. Um, I mean, like you said, they're just playing really, really conservative. Belichick is playing scared to lose rather than trying to win. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate. And maybe some of that is, you know, rightful because Mac Jones kind of needs to be, you know, coddled a little bit, but I think that they kind of need to let him go a little bit and make some mistakes and, you know, progress as a passer. Because I think he can be good. He's shown, I mean, he's very, very good at the short intermediate passes. You know, he's, he's pretty good at not making mistakes either, but you know, at some point, which is the point they're at right now. It's not enough. Uh, and I think they need to open it up a little bit more. Uh, maybe some of that's just like scheme specific with the guys they have. They don't have the talent to really do that. But, you know, New England has worked with a lot less for a while now at this point. So I'm not sure that, you know, it's going to get any better anytime soon, uh, barring, you know, them hitting on a first round pick on a wide receiver maybe in the next few years. So, um, yeah, for me, probably just, uh, just stay away at this point because I do think, like you said, that the Jets could probably keep it close enough to seven. I mean, 21-14, I mean, that's more than reasonable, um, unfortunately. so You want the Jets? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me seven and a half, I would take it. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. That's, right, uh, right. it's, a little, it's a little rich. But, yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, I think, can handle it. But I do think they've been ultra-conservative. I know the weapons aren't great, but I think they're good enough to – try some things a little bit down the field. Like you can throw, try, just try a couple of Nelson Aguilar. He's not going to catch it. We know he's not going to catch it, but like, let's just uh. try to push it down the field to at least kind of extend that cap and, and maybe take the lid off a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with Jonu Smith. I, I, more snaps and routes run last week than the week prior, but like that was who they went after first. Like that was the first move in the free agency market. You thought that they were really, that was going to be kind of the anchor. Like, it's been all Hunter Henry. So I don't know what's so going weird. on there. It's so weird. So, so weird. 
Yeah. It's like Jacoby Myers, and that's it. And I love Jacoby Myers, but like, get the guy in the freaking end zone, man. (laughs) Just like the worst, the worst touch, the worst, like, no touchdown streak of all time. I know. Especially because he scored last week, and then they had to call it back. And then he catches a two point conversion, which which is like such a half, such a half measure. It's so bad. Yeah. All right, uh, next, the Lions on the road against the Rams. Rams 15-point favorites at home. 50-and-a-half is the total. This one is super awkward. Right? And this is basically like – I mean, Sean McVay has been flaunting his new boo for months, like hardcore. It's basically like you got an IG account that you, like, don't use and, like, went dormant and you, like, dust it off to, like, show <laughs> – like pictures of your new girlfriend for like everyone to see and everyone knows like you don't post on IG. Like what are you doing here? But you want everyone to see your new hot girlfriend. It's this is, this is really awkward. Now the new, the old girl's back in town. Um, he's still firing off new pictures. Things are, are rough. Like she's put on a few extra pounds. <laughs> her car is like, car is like a coin flip to start. Like he doesn't know. He starts, it kind of feels bad. Uh, her new man is like, Calling around press conferences, saying yeah, not even, not even up. that relationship's not even going well. It's yeah. not going well. It's not going well. So, uh, Matt, talk to me about this one. It's 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 weird. Yeah, it's like uh, your ex tried to rebound with somebody, and uh, it's not going so well for them either. It's a tough scene there. Uh, no, I mean, listen, fifteen's a lot of points, but I, I still might take the Rams. They're they're that they are that good and. They keep their foot on the gas. That's the thing, too. Like, last week against the Giants, you know, they they had that game in the bag early. You know, I said it on our Yahoo Sportsbook live show, uh, jokingly with my co-host Minty. I was like, listen, you could give me Rams minus 50 as the halftime line, and I'll still take it. I would, Obviously, <laughs> I would not. That's ridiculous. But still, like, that was how confident I was that the Giants were out of that game. They weren't going to come close. And that the Rams were going to keep putting, them, putting it on them. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't see how Detroit has a prayer to stop the Rams offense. You know, they, their best defensive players like Romeo Aquaro, guys like that, they've Jeff Akuda to start of the year. They've all been getting hurt. Like they were already a bad team. They were going to be a bad defense and now they're a banged up bad defense. Same thing on offense too. I mean, obviously they could not afford to lose wide receivers and they've lost wide receivers. I don't know. I don't see how, I don't see how this one is close. I don't see how this one is close at all. I think they want to, you know, I know it's it's if they feel bad that the you know the new one hasn't moved on and she's not happy, but I think they want to like make a definitive statement here too. Uh, Connor, any thoughts on your, this one? Your commitment to the bit is just incredible. There, I don't know. You know, you started going down that path for like a good you know five seconds and just kept rolling with it. So I'm impressed. Uh, and it, you know, it fit very well because oh God, that, that you know, everyone talks about how like you know the Lions' offense has been okay or like you know they have grit and like you know I think Dan Campbell's you know an interesting fellow. Uh, you know, obviously, he, I think he inspires some some confidence. But they've scored more than 17 points since week one. Like literally, yeah. that offense has not been good. And now Dan Campbell's calling out calling out his boo, as you called it. Also, okay, by the way, yeah, you're you're not that young. So the fact that you went through this whole thing is you know pretty awesome. Uh, I, I, you know, I like you know, this, this is pretty. I'm not that old. Yeah, but like I know you don't use Instagram, so you know I think that that's uh, you know. That's, that's how it was relatable. The whole like he doesn't that's have it's like <laughs> it was relatable. Exactly. It's so relatable, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, also by the way, like I know that Dan Campbell calling out Jared Goff was weird, but like he's not wrong, you know? No, like totally they right. could use they could use a lot better. They could use a lot more from Jared Goff. Like they don't do anything in the first half of games. Like just look at like if you 
have DeAndre Swift on your fantasy team, don't even look at that box score in the first half because like he be- I mean he gets a lot of opportunities near the goal line gets a lot of targets but like all that shit comes when the game is over uh like it's and and I like the worst part for DeAndre Swift too is that like Jamal Williams has actually been kind of a, a pretty good runner um like that backfield tandem is the best part of the team but it doesn't really matter when when your offense can't really move the ball so um yeah I, I, Detroit does not do anything well I don't know yeah. That uh, that full Dan Campbell speech was great because at the beginning he was like, "Oh well, you know, it's unfair to judge, you know, Jared Goff and like we haven't surrounded with the best weapons." And then he just kind of said like, "Fuck it," like midway through and was like, "No, he he literally paused, like yeah, he he, did. he, he actually took a took a beat and went." Am I going to do this right now? Like, like looking at somebody like that he's about to push in front of the bus is like, yeah, I'll do it. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how i thought of it too i was like okay i was like that's not bad and then all of a sudden just shoves it right in front of the bus just rolls him over oh man um also i'm holding a an 80 to 1 lines to go winless uh ticket right now and you know i'm not feeling that bad i was in, i mean as noonan listeners of the show knows i bet every single lions under possible um you know every alt under under so the fact that they've gotten unlucky in some of this you know and they've actually been legit bad and continue to get worse through injuries and, you know, coaching dysfunction just couldn't make me happier. So it's great. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get for a prop number for Daryl Henderson, but, like, he's near at every down back right now, at least when yeah. the game is, is you know, undecided. I guess you could say here maybe the first three quarters. I think even in three quarters of action, he probably goes over a, a low 70s, mid-70s rushing number against this, this porous Lions defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the under stuff, Swift stuff is tough because it's like, his role's encouraging. He's getting the stuff that we want. The way that his game fits, it works in negative game scripts. I mean, 18 to 5, out touching Jamal last week. So, again, could be another garbage time. And this could be another TJ Hawkinson spot, too. This is like the low level Robbie Anderson. Like, we're kind of waiting for like Hawkinson breakout games. Rams have been really beaten up a little bit against tight ends. They've been uh, giving up 62 yards per game, getting targeted like 9.1 time uh, to the position. So, could be a nice hot game. And negative game scripts against a team that's kind of given it up. So, all right, next Philadelphia on the road against the Raiders. Raiders three point favorites at home. Forty nine is the total. You got a mini buy here for the Eagles after their brutal backdoor cover on Thursday night in Week Five against the Bucks. Uh, Raiders surprised a lot of folks by showing up in a big way last week against the Broncos after a tumultuous week. I mean, it was tough. Good to see Deuce. Uh, didn't lose his job. You know, all 5'2", 225 pounds of uh, Deuce Gruden still on the sideline for the Raiders, feeling really good about himself. Uh, it's got to be awkward. but uh, Yeah, a little bit. A little awkward. I, I don't know what to make of either of these teams, Matt. They, they are like the Eagles, the Raiders, and like the Saints. I, they're just – I have no feel for what's going to happen with either of these teams. I mean, the Raiders' home loss to the Bears just, like, I think added a new layer of range of outcomes to this team. I really don't know what to make of them. Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident in the Raiders in this spot. Uh, I think the Eagles are a bad team. I think, and I could be a little, like, too heated about this because I've been charting Devonta Smith (laughs) uh, for the past couple of weeks or past couple days. Man, that guy gets open. He wins as an X receiver. I know he's had a couple whiffs in contested catch situations, but that offense is just so poorly designed. I mean, it is like they don't run the ball at all. It's basically like, guys, they've taken Jalen Hurts 
an athletic mobile quarterback who makes plays with his legs and just kind of put him in the Phillip Rivers 2020 Colts offense, <laughs> which is yeah. I, like malpractice of the highest degree. Um, you know, they run a bunch of screens and just like way too many screens. It's, it's disgusting. They don't run the ball at all with Miles Sanders or anything like that um, to, to, in a, to like way too high of a degree. I don't think they need to sit there and like make Miles Sanders like a 20 touch back or something like that. But they just don't even try to run the ball for whatever reason. Um, and Hertz is also like the, the, it's a huge gap between his fantasy numbers and his real life like value yeah. or whatever. So uh, yeah. it's, it's tough there for that Eagles offense. And it's tough. It's really hard to have any, uh, confidence in them at all, and and on the side ends because they don't ever have good linebackers or safeties. I think they're top five in catches allowed to tight ends this year. They're, they've allowed the most touchdowns to tight ends this year. Like Darren Waller's due for I hate to say he's due, but like he is due for a, a big game at some point after getting 19 targets in week one. And, being relatively quiet since then, I could see him like breaking the DFS slate this week. Uh, I, I would be interested in the props on Darren Waller. And Henry Ruggs has come on too. Henry Ruggs has like an 18 A dot. I know that's rather unsustainable, but he has been making plays um, in like the contested game. And uh, I think Philly can allow some big plays, obviously. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited about the Raiders in this one. Yeah, it was like 25 and a half or something like that for Ruggs last week too. Just in, insane. The problem with the the Waller stuff that's been hard is like last week you saw Ruggs, Renfro, and Edwards all had a 17% target share. Yeah. And then you got Waller right there at 21. So like they've kind of closed the gap. Again, one game. So like super small sample. But like you've seen that a little bit of late where you're seeing a little bit. Those other guys are getting involved a little bit more where like Edwards in that yeah. first game didn't even pop until – you know, OT. So. It was like 29% last year. I mean, he was up there with like Steph Diggs and, yeah. and like DeAndre Hopkins in terms of target share last year. So um, I wasn't projecting a big drop off for, for Darren Waller in terms of target share. So that has been disappointing, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I think he's going to have big games for sure. And this could be one of them. Yeah. Connor, any leans here? I know you're a, uh, you go to bed in a Jalen Hurts jersey every night. <laughs> Not true. I, I go to go to bed in uh, the money that I've won betting on his props. You know, so that's, <laughs> well, well played, well played, sir. Well played. Um, I, I think that Dallas Goddard props, as long as he's cleared with everything, are interesting. I, I just don't think they're going to correct enough for the trade of Zach Ertz. Um, so you know, the, the Eagles right now uh, sixth in pass rate over expectation. You know, even though they're, I think they're like you said, their offense is poorly designed for optimal, you know, drives and you know efficiency i think that we can capitalize on pass attempts we can capitalize on receptions from dallas goddard um so i think those are two interesting spots also the raiders triple nearly tripled their play action rate last week um i think we talked about it that i think that gruden you know missing is a long-term positive for the raiders but it looks like it's a immediate short-term positive as well they also passed at a much higher rate as well so i think you know all good things for the raiders i think their roster in general is not my favorite in their composition but you know, hey, if they're doing optimal things and they're changing their play calling a little bit, I mean, they have some exciting pieces. It was always just, you know, very much for me an anti-Gruden thing. Um, and now at this point, you know, if they're going to do fun stuff, I'm, you know, let them cook. I'm, I'm into it. I like the over in this game uh, for kind of that reason. I think that, you know, the Eagles are, you know, garbage time kings in a lot of scenarios and that Raiders uh, should be able to lay a decent amount of points on the Eagles this year, this week. This is the Eagles, too, in a nutshell, where, right, I, I felt we were really bullish after what we saw in week one. You saw all these like very different than than what we saw last year, where Hertz was basically like tuck and run or prayer yards, right? Taking these chuck it deep down field shots, and then in week one they come out against the Falcons, 
And it's like his completion percentage over expectation was really nice. Oh. They, you know, incorporated like screen game and, and like mixed it up. And then the next week against the Niners, they it's completely opposite. Like if no idea from week to week what to make of them. So I'll want to see it a little bit from the Raiders, but you could sell me on an over here. I think it's a nice pace spot for both teams. Uh, I can get on board with, you know, a little mini correlation of Hertz and, and Waller coming back and some DFS stuff. I think it uh, that makes sense. You guys did a good job selling that. Goddard stuff too, Connor. Good call. We have to wait and see if he's cleared with COVID. All right, next. Uh, Texans on the road against the Cardinals. 18 is the number here. 48 is the total. Basically what many believe is the worst team in the league. Travels to face the league's last undefeated team. Obviously, this is more about the number per se than the matchup. Um, we've seen this Texans team get boat raced a few times already this season. Shut out 40 to zip in Buffalo last week, 31 to three against the Colts team that we're not sure is very good themselves. Uh, obviously very inferior to the Cardinals team that we're going to see this week. Tyrod's getting close, but this is again, going to be a Davis Mills game here. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's weird. Cause like the Texans have been kind of frisky and then they'll get completely destroyed, right? Like they were kind of frisky with, with Davis Mills specifically. Uh, obviously like with Tyrod, I think they're, they're a rather competent team, but you know, Davis Mills pretty frisky against the Panthers on Thursday night. Uh, they hang around in that game. Then they get crushed by the bills. Uh, they keep it close with the Patriots. Then they get crushed by the Colts. Um, <laughs> you know, so maybe this is a frisky week against a great opponent. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't project anything positive for the Texans. I mean, give me a break on that one. Um, you know, I don't know that I have like a, I don't want, I don't know that I want to bet Arizona minus 18, um, but you know, this, I think I'm more interested just like how the receiver rotation goes here. You know, that's a situation to monitor basically every single week. Yeah. This is another example. Like we, we, I always try to pound it. Look at headlines. Like I, I know they are not for everyone. I, I, I don't know. They're for everyone, but like most of you don't do it. So like, that's on you, but like this is 13 and a half in the look ads and nothing's really changed from what we knew. I know that we, right. we saw the, the Cardinals go in and win in, Cleveland but like we don't necessarily think they're a different team per se like they it was great to see them do that but like there's nothing that's changed in this matchup that makes you think that like the Texans are now five points worse uh, but uh, again recency bias and but we lost massive key numbers here this has not only moved through 14 it's moved through 17 really hard to lay 18 Connor but we've talked about this a lot like what's the number to take the Texans um in this spot probably 24 and a half for me uh, that's when I would consider taking the Texans. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like for me to actually put my own money that I earned with my hard work on a team, you know, I'm not going to – I can't do it. I can't bet on Davis Mills. I actually think this is a good spot for his unders potentially after two weeks against, you know, some secondaries that have been suspect from time to time. Uh, you know, now he gets to play against the Arizona Cardinal defense that, um, you know, seventh in pressure rate, fifth in adjusted sack rate, uh, second-rate defense and DVOA overall – um, so, you know, I think that we'll probably see the Davis Mills numbers come in around like 220, 230, 240, maybe that range. I'm, I'm in on the under there. I think he'll probably wind up with under 200 yards unless, you know, I mean, a few things break right. Like, you know, he lights up with Chris Conley again or whatever bum wide receivers, you know, were able to destroy the Patriots <laughs> the other day, which is a shocking, shocking result. But still, I think that this could be a good spot to get back on that. Um I mean, maybe some James Conner overs given the game script, but I think that that might be priced into the, you know, the market. We'll see, though. I mean, most of his props have been in, like, the 30s, so I think this could be a good spot for that. Great. Not laying the 18. Um, one other note for me, one last note, Houston's defense, they've been bad, but 
only 20th in DVOA, 25th in EPA. I mean, it could be worse. Like, you know, like, sure, I mean, I thought worse. they were, sure. were going to be like a bottom three, like locked in, you know, like now, I mean, they oh, like just bottom... released Whitney Merciless too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, not holding them to that. You know, they might end up getting there by the end of the season, but uh, it's at least at this point, they've been bad, but not like, you know, they're not that, that, that bad. So. They're pretty, pretty bad. Um, <laughs> they have a better offense than the Jets. The Jets are 32nd across the board in EPA, DVOA, yards per drive, points per drive. So, again, it could be worse, I guess, uh, in the Connor Allen uh, wing of analysis. I guess that that would apply. Um, I'm with you on the Connor <laughs> stuff, James Connor stuff. I think uh, this is obviously sets up very well for uh, for his usage. Again, interesting to see. Like, I don't want to get – too narrative driven, but again, that I think that Thursday night matchup, short week for the Packers Cardinals game, they both have really easy matchups at home in a big, big way. Um, again, I'm not saying bet the Texans here, but I'm also saying just be careful with uh, with the Cardinals here. Um, it's a it's a big, big number. All right, next Bears on the road against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's 12 and a half point favorites at win. I've seen some 13s, 13 and a half as well. 47 and a half is the total. This is, again, a me-buy for the Bucks after holding on to beat the Eagles on Thursday night. That game had just ended. Folks still walking out of the stands. Out of the stands. Devin White sits down with the NFL Network crew post-game. You know, they're talking to him about what's going on there. And he's already talking about how he and the boys are really looking forward to get a chance to play the Bears last year after they, quote, embarrassed us last year. This is the... What down is it bowl where, you know, uh, the Tom oh, yeah, Brady yeah. wasn't sure what happens. Um, Tom Brady was shamed and this Buccaneers locker room is galvanized around the goats and they want redemption for him. Um, wow. Matt, what do you think here? Wow. The uh, fourth down meme narrative. I, I didn't, <laughs> I forgot about that. I mean, like <laughs> Next Nick, level Foles, here. Nick Foles is still on the team too. And he was, oh, he was when oh, he started that oh, game. Oh, brother. Better watch. You better so, not get too close to midfield during warmups. A couple of folders. Mean, yeah, you know. Somebody's going to come and smoke him, smoke his ass over there. But yeah, no, I think, um, look, it, it, it's a lot of points. Tampa Bay is really clicking, though. I mean, Leonard Fournette looks great as their starting running back. I mean, you know, we always think of Leonard Fournette as just kind of like a, a, a grinder, a dusty guy because uh, he was taken too high in the draft, and that was a stupid pick by Jacksonville. But I think he's running like the best he ever has in his career, and he's just getting so much opportunity, which is great if you drafted Leonard Fournette in fantasy. Tough scene if you drafted Ronald Jones there. Um, Always. Overall, though, yeah, this is a a pretty good spot for Tampa Bay. We got to see something though out of Justin Fields. You know they didn't get smoked in in Green like against Green Bay last week. Uh, I thought they would be playing a negative game script a lot, so they weren't really able to open up that pass game. I feel like they'll probably be playing in some negative game script here. Robert Quinn also, I think he's on the COVID list too, and he's been playing great so far this year for the Bears defense. That might just incentive. I mean, might just open up things for the Tampa Bay offense even more so than they are every single week because those guys are so good you know this is this is an interesting spot where we got to see something out of Justin Fields like connect with Allen Robinson we got to see some more pass volume for this team um just pretty tough to project a lot of optimism for the Bears in this one overall yeah it's not it's not great Connor what are your thoughts here you uh, you like the Bears 
No, so for, for me, this game comes down to, you know, rational coaching and whether we think that that's going to happen. So, and I, I think assumption of rational coaching, is, as we've talked about in the fantasy world, it's based a lot, is really dangerous. Um, so for the Bears here, I think it would be very optimal for them to go pass heavy, for them to, you know, get this pass funnel Tampa Bay defense right now, you know, top five uh, in run defense and, you know, uh, bottom 10 in pass defense and a lot of metrics. But the Bears, the last few games, I mean, Fields had 27 attempts last week, but before that, 20, 17, and 20 pass attempts as they just slam some combination of David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams, whoever's active is going to get the rock. Uh, and so if they come out here and do that, I mean, they're going to get boat raced. They're going Blown to get, out, yeah. Yeah, like it's going to be a 30-7 to 7 type of game. Um, and if they don't, then they have a chance to keep it within 10. Uh, and that's like – you know, so for me, I think that I'm going to probably live bet this game and kind of see what their game plan is. I think we'll Good know, ball. you know, after like two drives. And if we see them being like, okay, it's still Khalil Herbert time, you know, like just bet the Bucks, like whatever bet they're the at, Bucks. you know, bet the Bucks because, I mean, they're not losing. They're not, you know, I mean, that's – they just have no chance if they're not going to pass against them and kind of like open things up. Uh, and, I, and I don't trust Nagy to do it. I, I honestly don't. So I would lean Bucks at, at 12 and a half. But for me, I, I'll probably just wait to live bet it a little bit and kind of see – feel out the game a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, if you're if you're like serious about doing this, if you you know you've watched an hour plus of the show, you're probably at least semi serious. Um, it's really smart to depending on your situation on Sundays and when you're watching games, like keep the books open. Um, actually, yeah. our live odds page updates really quickly, and you can get some really nice buying windows on you know again some books update faster than others based on what's going on in the game. There are a lot of smart ways to live bet games, so. Good call there, Connor. I took this at ten in the look aheads. Um, I bought into the damn you know post game narrative. Um, would you say? It's a damn your look aheads, dude. Always beating the market. <laughs> I mean, that's you. smart though. Yeah, smart. it's essentially a parlay, right? Like you, you know, you're going to lose and and not get the best of the number sometimes. But often, if things go well, like for this week, if things go well the way I think they're going to go here, I'm going to get the better better number. 80% of the time next week um, on a line that I like. So it's worth a shot for me. Um, yeah. A couple things jumped out when I was looking and digging into the bears, they lead the league in adjusted sack rate defensively, which is nice. Um, they're dead last in the offensive. So that's a, that's a problem. They got to keep, <laughs> they gotta, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. They got to protect fields, but they're just 25th in pressure rate created. So like that seems a little noisy, a little unsustainable to be basically bottom seven, eights in pressure rates. Uh, and then lead the league in sacks. And then uh, defensively, they've kind of basically been a bend but don't break unit. They're top three in points and touchdowns per red zone trip. Like So they're holding you to field goals, but they're also 30th in three and out rate. So basically, like teams are driving on them. They're not forcing you to get off the field quickly. I think they're like 29th in punt rate too. Like um, So, again, it just feels a little noisy. I know their defense has been – quote unquote good. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know that this is necessarily uh, an elite or even ab- above average defense. So uh, I think the Bucks could kind of curb stomp them here in a big, big way. With so, with all that said, could you see the under in this game? I mean, 47 and a half is not like it's not nothing, but the, with the way, you know, Connor mentioned it, like the Bears play slow. They If they come out and they try to run the ball in this, I mean, just, just fire Matt Nash. Into the sun, right, right at halftime. If they if they've got more than like ten carries in the first half, give me a break. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with the way the Bears play, 
know, even the Bucks, like last week against the Eagles, were pretty content to just establish yeah. Leonard Fournette and and with the you know like slow drive down the field. Um, I could see just from a pace standpoint, this being uh, an under game. Oh yeah, yeah, no, um, I like that, like that call for sure. Yeah, good call. Uh, you know, Bears under seventeen and a half. You can sell me on very easily. I don't know that you're going to be able to get the best of that live, but again, that's you know on the the right side of a key number if you're looking to take an under lean on it because 17 would be a key number there. All right, last game. Uh, Colts on the road against Niners. Niners four-point favorites at home. 44 is the total. Colts got a home game. Now they're back on the road for their fourth time in five weeks. Uh, playing better of late, obviously. Nice showing in Baltimore. They couldn't close the deal there. But dominated a bad Texans team like we mentioned earlier, which is good to see. Niners back in action coming off of their week six bye. Looks like it's Jimmy G back under center. Trey Lance dealing with a knee injury. Hasn't practiced. Garoppolo trending in the right direction, practicing off of his calf injury here. Connor, what are your thoughts on this Indy-San Fran matchup? I'm a little torn right now. I mean, Indy number one in run defense DVOA, and I kind of thought they would lean on that a little bit, you know, with uh, Garoppolo coming back in a little bit banged up. Lance probably not going to play. So, you know, if they can't really be efficient with that, then, you know, it's, I think a little more pressure is going to be on Garoppolo. Uh, and I'm not really comfortable betting a scenario where that's the case. Uh, so I, even though I think that they're a much better team top to bottom, and they could still very easily get it done and win by a touchdown or more, um, you know, their path to winning for me is just a little bit more shaky. You know, at least it's not very clearly defined is what I would say. Um, so for me, I'm probably just staying away. Uh, I do think that the Colts are looking a lot better than they did, you know, early in the season. But, you know, I think that there are other spots to fade the Colts if we're interested in that, which we were early on in the season. Uh, so, yeah, for me, probably just to stay away at this point. Yeah, nothing jumping off the board currently, Matt. Any uh, leans for you here early? Not particular. I mean, Carson Wentz has played better football of late, uh, over 11 uh, yards per attempt in back-to-back games. Obviously, the big Jonathan Taylor screen pass against Baltimore boosted up the first number, but he was legitimately slinging it against the Colts. I know the Colts are, the, I mean, uh, against the Texans, and, and the Texans are the Texans, but um, I still think Wentz is starting to play pr- pretty well. I mean, at 69% completion rate over the last three games, uh, just, one tur- uh, just one turnover in that span, six sacks taken in that span so um yeah i don't know i'm having a little more faith in the colts than i did and they have a great schedule if they can manage to beat this game uh they play the jaguar the titans the jaguars and the jets over their next three games so like they could get pretty hot um you know in relative terms here that the, that the colts would be but yeah i i don't know i'm I, and I don't trust San Francisco at all. Like I don't. The Jimmy Garoppolo offense is so boring, so slow, so bad, so conservative. Um, and I don't know what's going on with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, hopefully, there's some kind of bump after the buy. Hopefully, they figure something out. I don't know, or they just hate him forever. Uh, Shanahan, everybody he trades up for. So maybe you should stop trading up for guys. They hate Trey Sermon. <laughs> they hate Dante Pettis. Uh, yeah. Trey Lance. They don't really want to play him either. So yeah, maybe maybe don't trade up for guys anymore. He needs to get on, get on his, on you know, uh, you know, his, his hands and knees and pray to, and just you know, maybe cry to Kyle Shannon a little bit, just like let it all out to get it back on the field because it's not happening right now. You know, like he's just he's in the doghouse and it seems like it's kind of a, a permanent thing. He's on the, the thing is the weird thing is is he is on the field like yeah. the, the whole uh, you know the last few games he's at least r- run the second most routes on the team like he's not playing really behind Trenton Sherfield or these guys like he was earlier. He's just not getting the ball which is bizarre. And yeah, I think they kind of, you know, all their beat reporters have said like they need, you know, they 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 need Brandon Ayuk, but you know, maybe he's just 
I know there's been a lot of weird quotes with it too, but it's a weird situation, man. Yeah. I mean, that's especially concerning. And I'm sure that you prescribed to this the theory that targets are generally earned through good route running yeah. and getting open and chemistry. Yeah. So, you know, if none of that exists and you're not getting targets and you're on the field, then I mean, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's not good. I, I know that this is kind of the new age in the running backs, but like the Jonathan Taylor usage is still so frustrating. I, I, I know that like we, if you got a guy at 65, 70%, that's terrific nowadays, but like he had two carries in the first half against the Texans, like uh, positive game scripts. I, I know we went off in the second half, obviously the final line looks nice, but like 145 and two scores is still only 14 carries. They're like, Dicking around with Marlon Mack too much still. I know, like, we had it earlier. We thought it was, like, they're showcasing him for a trade. But, it's, like, still 20% of the Marlon Mack. And that's that seems to be kind of coming at the cost of, of Naheem Hines even more so than Taylor. But, like, still, like, those two guys shouldn't be taking away 50% of the running back touches when you have a guy as dynamic as Taylor is. It just is – it's maddening sometimes. I just – we just give him, like, a couple games of, like, 75% of the work and just see what happens. Like, yeah, seriously. Let him go. You only got so many miles and so many touches on these guys, right? Like, take him for his rookie contract. I know it was, that's awful. It sounds like just barbaric, but like, just just ride him, ride him, and let someone yeah. else pay the next contract, and like, just see what he can do. He is your best offensive weapon, uh, especially out of the backfield. So, it's bizarre. No real leans there. All right, that wraps it up, Matt. You're the man. I really appreciate. It. I know you're busy, so we're really grateful uh, of your time. Appreciate you coming on. I'll remind the folks where they can find all your great content every week. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, this is it's an interesting week. It's good to get kind of like an early ish look at it. Um, just to, to hopefully we can slog through Thursday night tomorrow. That is going to be that's going to be mm. a tough one. It's going to be the Case Keenum revenge game. But no, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, if the people want to check out more stuff, you can always follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We have our Yahoo Sportsbook live uh, show Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. Pacific, two thirty p.m. Eastern. I'm twenty four and twelve on my props so far on the show for Sunday night Monday night football. So uh, okay. I'm. I'm due for a big crash anytime now. So come check out. <laughs> sure <that happens. laughs> Cooking with gas. So that's, that's good stuff. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Connor and I will be back on Friday. Connor, what is it's just like a plain black hat. What are you coming off of the set of succession or something? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was not planning on wearing a hat today. My hair looked real bad. Like I looked like I had a fat bald spot in my hair. So I decided to just, you know, like cut it off. And wear the I just, I brought the screen up bigger and now it's like, what are you wearing? What is is that coming off the set of succession? It, it, <laughs> it took, it, it took you an hour and fifteen minutes to make fun of me for my black, plain black hat. Come on, yeah, I, I, I just do better, do better. Well, I, I didn't want to take it at the top. I want to save that for the end. People that get rewarded, they get the Easter eggs at the end for sticking yeah, around. They don't want there to. There you go. Like, That's fair. I'm glad Matt understood the reference. Um, a lot of plain black hats in that show, but uh, you know, absurd. If you haven't watched Succession, watch it. It's a great show. So uh, Connor and I will be back on Friday to do the prop show. Again, rate and review. Subscribe. Don't miss that. It's around 645 uh, Central Time. We'll be back to do that. So for Matt and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.